Hello. There we go. Now I'm fine. Good morning, family. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Blessings to everybody. Um, so as Mick said, we've been looking at a series of, um, you know, how do we how do we encourage one another as new believers and even as seasoned believers to um, to see God's kingdom here on earth? I think that's generally where we're at, really. Um, and it, you know, we're about midway through our series, and um, and I'm going to be looking at going and making disciples, the Great Commission, as it says in Matthew, the Great Commission. Um, Last week, I don't know if everybody was here, but last week Mick was saying that one of the areas that we may find challenging is going and making disciples. Can I just ask everybody, who is confident in making disciples? Can I see a show of hands? No, nobody's confident in making disciples. Oh, one minute, was there two hands I missed? Okay, well, one, okay. I'm not confident in making disciples, um, but that is the commission, isn't it? You know, we are to go and make disciples. Um, there are three parts that Mick kind of summarise what the gospel is for us. You know, love God, love the lost, and love one another. And as a church and as a group of people, we are good at loving God good at loving one another, but not so good at loving the lost. So how are we going to change that? Has anybody seen the pavilion? And has anybody seen the sign that is up there? At the moment, there's a massive sign that says, it's pantomime season. It's pantomime time. So it is Gary. <laughs> I'm not good at making disciples. Oh, yes, you are. Yeah, that's the sermon. So by the end of this, we are all going to be confident, standing on the word of God, that we will be making disciples. Okay. Uh, it is behind me. <laughs> but the clicker's not working. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, no, it's not. <laughs> right, come on. Yeah, both are at the top. Oh, Elaine, you're going to have to move it forward. For me. No, I've gone too far. There we go. And again, it's too small. Please, people, forgive me. Um, I've got the templates for putting on, on the words. And on my screen at home, it always seems to be nice and big. But when I come here, it's kind of small. Is it okay there, yeah? Okay, probably because I'm looking at that one over there. Okay, so Matthew 28, 18 to 20, new uh, NIV version. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on the earth is given to me. Therefore, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. Okay, 
all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's to Jesus. Amen. Okay, so the first thing I want to encourage us to do is to stand on that very word. You see, not some of the authority, but all of the authority has been given to Jesus. Not some, not part, all. That's the first encouragement. You see, as believers, as new believers, this is the rock, metaphorically, the rock in which we are to stand. You see, Jesus, the rock, is beneath our feet. We get to stand on his truth. We get to stand on the word of God. And we have to continuously confirm that, reaffirm that to ourselves and in our hearts. Why? Because it's by God's power, by the power through Jesus, does all of this happen. As I said, I am not the most confident person. I may come up and sometimes I may see confident in different areas of my life. But I always lack in areas. And God knows that. You know, but God has still called me, called us, to be on this journey. There is a purpose and a point to God's calling on our lives. You see, none of us here today are here by chance. None of us here today are here on a whim. We are here because God has called us here. And if God has called us here, he has a purpose for our life. You see, we are all on this journey of life. And in this journey of life, there is trouble, there is afflictions, there are trials. We're just talking about Pete. You know, Mick said this last week, and I just think it's really important as new believers, as seasoned believers, that the words that we encourage one another with is also about being real. And being real is that allowing us to understand that we are all going to fall short and that we are all going to face trials and problems. There's no way of getting away from that. You know, each week, something in our lives will cause us some kind of fear, some kind of pain, some kind of situation. But that's okay. It's all part of the journey, you know. But Jesus came to equip us. You know, that was the very purpose. We are to be prepared, not unprepared. We are to be equipped. We are to be ready. It is Jesus' will, the Father's will, for us to be ready and equipped. That's why he gave him all authority. God is the most powerful thing in this universe. He is totally awesome. He is over heaven and earth. Amen? That is our truth. That is what we're standing on. So if we stand on the rock, if we stand on the truth, if we believe that in our hearts, if we 
minister to ourselves and to those around us that this is the truth, then we are on good ground. We are on solid ground. That's what we're standing on. The next thing is that we need to believe it. The fundamental of our walk is our faith. So we have to believe the truth. It's not a question. Believing is a choice. It's a choice that we all have to make. We either stand on the truth and we believe the truth, or we don't. And as new believers, as seasoned believers, again, this is part of our journey. Now, a really great example of, of believing, of coming into faith, standing on the word of God, is in um, John. And in John 4, we see the story of the Samaritan woman. So I just want to kind of recap on, on, the, on the story. So Jesus is on his way back from Judea to Galilee. So he's left the disciples and he's on the road. And he passes through a town called Samaria. He enters the small town in a place called, I can't pronounce this, Sisha, uh, and it's near a plot of land that Jacob had given to Joseph. And at this plot of land is a well. So Jesus is now sitting down. He's rested. So he's by the well and he's rested. And a Samaritan woman comes along with her bucket to draw water from the well. And Jesus asks her for a drink. Now, what's the importance? Well, the importance is, as it says in the scripture, this woman is in a group of people that the Jews would not normally associate themselves with. But Jesus has already engaged with the woman. He's already broken tradition. He's already made himself open to her. And that's the same for us. You know, the whole reason why we are here is that because Jesus made himself open to us. He made himself open to us. He revealed himself to us so that we might be able to receive the gift of life. So, as the story progresses, there's a conversation that goes on between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And in that story, what happens is, is that Jesus is exposed her weaknesses. Jesus exposes where she's at. But he doesn't do it in a way that's condemning. And he doesn't ostracize her and say, well, no. I'm not having a relationship with you. I don't want to know you. What he's saying is, is that I know you. He knows us. He knows exactly what we've done. He knows exactly 
where we are. He knows exactly our weak points. He knows our strong points. But Jesus, in all of this, shows himself and reveals himself. So I want to pick up the story a little bit further on. Okay. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to see him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking to her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of their town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, teacher, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. This is God's will. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life. That is the enemy. He's out there. Thus, Oh. so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus, the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. If we are to disciple, if we are to go out, on the Great Commission, then again, this is what we need to stand on. You see, Jesus says he has come to do the will of God. He has come to do God's will. So again, the example that we've given, you know, Jesus has done it before. He's gone before us. He has showed us the way. And he is saying that his will is to do the will of God. His will is to go out and to see the harvest come in. And that's us, you know. Once we receive the gift that God has given us, once we receive our salvation, then what we have received is the Spirit of God inside us. And there is a purpose and there is a meaning. There is a transformation that goes on in our lives. There is a seed that is planted that God wants us to 
water and to bring forth fruit. There is a harvest outside of these doors. And there is a purpose for each one of us to reach out, to share our testimonies, and to walk and fulfill our Father's will. That is for all of us. Not for one of us or some of us. It is for all of us. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. Because of her encounter, because of her truth, because it was real. You see, my journey is not your journey. My truth is not your truth. The sequences of events that have happened in my life are not the sequences of events that have happened in your life. So I can only speak of my truth, and you can only speak of your truth. And it's in that realism of our own truths are we able to engage and to be real to the loss that God wants us to bring into the kingdom. The last time I, I was up here speaking, I said, I can only be me. I can't be anybody else. And you can only be you. But what you are able to do is stand on the truth. And by standing on the truth, you can also bring about these things. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. You see, I'm a firm believer that there is always a part that God wants us to do. You know, otherwise he wouldn't have called us. So there is a part that God wants us to do. And once we've done our part, he then does the rest. You know, but God wants us to be involved. Why would he call us if he didn't? He wants us to be in relationship. He wants us to be real. He wants us to experience different things. Life is happening for all of us. And God is in the midst of us. Amen? Amen. So then what's next? So first of all, we stand on it. We stand on the word of God, and then we believe it. And then when we believe it, our faith is growing. The next thing is the practicality of it, is we have to work for it. So this is the practical part. This is our part, your part, my part, our part as a church. 
as we begin to sow, as we begin to apply the application at the beginning of our faith, as we start this journey and as we encourage others, we can rely on the very substance of the living God. You see, that very substance is talked about as the living water. It's there to transform us. It's there to shape us into what God has for us. It's there to bring us into relationship with Christ, to bring fruit and to see a harvest. You see, Jesus has already fulfilled his part. Jesus has done it. He's come, he's been, and he's done his part. He died on the cross. He has already fulfilled the Father's will. You see, God has equipped us all. Each one of us has been given a tool bag. God hasn't just come along, opened our hearts to Jesus, and then said, go on, get along with it. No. Each one of us, God has given us our own tool bag, our own kit. I've got a friend who's a plasterer. And um, I remember when we were younger, and he started doing his plastering course. I used to have this old fireplace in my bedroom. The first, the first job that I asked him to do was to use some fire cement and cement up the, um, the fireplace so that I could use it. And I've, and I've watched my friend, his name is James, and um, over his life I've, I've kind of stepped in and out of it. And I remember those early days when he was at college and, you know, and he was just starting to build up his tools. And then for years and years, I don't know if anybody knows, you know, plastering. You know, plastering is, is quite a, a, a manual thing. You know, you're slopping on this wet stuff. You've got to keep, you know, mixing up these big bowls of stuff and, you know, slapping it on. And you've got to have strong arms, especially if you're doing ceilings, because your hand is above your head all day long whilst you're smoothing it out. It's difficult. Discipleship, doing God's will, is going to be difficult for all of us. My friend James no longer does that kind of plastering. What he now does is he now makes moulds. He makes moulds and he goes into old buildings. He goes into the old buildings and his, his toolkit is now changed. So he no longer has to use the, the big trails. What he does is he spends most of his days making these moulds, going round, looking at the bits that are missing, creating the moulds, filling in, making the new parts, and fitting them in their places. You see, I think God's purpose for us is a bit like us, a bit like that. God gives us the tools. God creates the moulds. He then puts us in a place where we fit in. 
where we can come alongside the broken parts that are missing. So that we fit in. So that we connect. So that we can be a part of God's plan and purpose. So that we can reach out to the lost. So that we can reach the new disciples. Now this is our purpose. This is the Great Commission. But you see, our default setting, or my default setting, is, is that, you know, I want to do the easy stuff. Because it's easy. It's comfortable. I know how to do it. You know, delving deep into the bag and pulling out those, those, those things that I know are in the bag, and I know because, again, I'm standing on the word of God. I can't pick and choose what is right or what is wrong in Scripture. Scripture is scripture. It is either the entire truth or it's not. My head wants to tell me something different. But my heart is what I have to follow. Amen? The easy and the familiar will sustain you for a part. But it won't bring an abundance. You see, God has commissioned us to be specialists in our field. That is his calling for each and every one of us. You here are a specialist in your field. Jesus, the commander, the commander-in-chief, has directly called us to be a living example. That is for all of us. That is our commission. And the promise. What is the promise? Mick, you were talking about that last week, you know, when we look at scripture. Well, the promise is right at the very end of Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And what it says is, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You see, we are not alone. Jesus has the authority and he is with us. So each of us has those tools in our bag. So it's getting that across to ourselves and to people that we disciple, that we need to be sowing this stuff right from the onset. I'd wished when I'd become a Christian that I'd had those words and someone stand alongside me and to keep ministering and telling me those truths. It's too easy for us to, like Mick says, to lead someone to a church and then say, right, okay, I've done my bit. No, you haven't done your bit. You know? Jesus says, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Given to him. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And his promise is he will be with us. 
And that's all we have to stand on and work that through. I'd just like to follow that on with one final thing, really. Because I know Gary's uh, conversations Gary and I have had uh, with about the youth and about all sorts of things. And I know Gary is really desiring, and I think it's come across, desiring to begin to engage with lost people, desiring to find ways of sharing the gospel with people. And as he says, it's not easy. Uh, none of us. I, I was at a conference on Tuesday with a man who writes about evangelism. And he was saying at that conference, he said, I used to pray, Lord, make it comfortable for me to, to uh, make me feel comfortable in sharing the gospel. And he said, I don't think God's ever going to answer that prayer. He said, I don't think it's ever going to feel comfortable sharing the gospel. He said, that's just a tension I feel that we have to live with it. It's, it's an awkward place, but we've got to do it. And we feel, you know, we, we, we want to do it. We want to, we want to reach the lost. It may not ever feel comfortable. And, and Gary, you know, is, is really was saying that. It's, it's difficult. You know, sometimes you've got to use tools that you don't like getting out. You know, it's, there's other tools that maybe are easier to use. But the follow-on I just want to come up with for us as a church as well is when we're discipling, when we get to that stage, we lead someone to the Lord, and we've, we've been going through, what do we need to tell them? What do we need to teach them? What do we need to disciple them in? And the very thing that we have just been talking about for ourselves, in what Gary's been talking about, is the very thing also that we need to be discipling the new believers in. We are making disciples who make disciples. We're not making disciples who then, that stops with them. As Gary said, he wished that he'd known when he became a Christian that this is what you need to do. And we want to be getting that across as well to one another. We make disciples who make disciples. So part of the discipling process is all that Gary's been talking about, all that Gary's been sharing about how we want to be standing on the word of God, believing that there are people out there that God is working in their lives, but they need to know that there are people out there that God wants to use them to reach. They can reach disciples themselves. They need to be disciples who reach disciples. It's a basic foundational thing. When you become a disciple of Jesus, you go and make disciples. And what do those disciples do? They go and make disciples. And what do those disciples do? They go and make disciples. It's foundational it's basic it's what disciples do so gary if gary's really really sort of communicated his heart of wanting to reach the lost it's difficult but we want to do it and god has given us all the equipment that we need god has given us all of the toolbox that we need but let's also remember we're making disciples who make disciples who make disciples that's what we that's what we're seeking to be Let's just pray. Do you want to come and just fin finish off with a, a song of words? I've just been um, asked to clarify one thing that uh, Gary said, uh, just for the sake of making sure and avoidance of any confusion. Uh, Gary, uh, what Gary said was that his truth, your truth, will be different from my truth. Now, what Gary, 
I think we all know what he meant by that, but I'm just going to clarify that, that what Gary was talking about was your testimony, your story. You have a story of your walk with God, and no one can deny that, and it's true for you. Nobody can say your story is not true because it's your story. Um, so your truth will be your story, and in one sense, my truth will be my story. There is a story that God has led us through, but of course, truth, and Gary made this very clear. He said the whole of Scripture is the truth. The whole of Scripture stands. So Gary wasn't sort of giving a relative truth, you know, People's, your truth can be your truth. My truth can be my truth. You can believe about Jesus what you want, and I'll believe about Jesus. He wasn't saying that. But let's, so for the pur pur purposes of clarification, what Gary was saying is your story that you've walked with God will be different for you as it is from him. God is taking us in different paths. And your story is true. Nobody can deny your story. But truth, with a capital T, is not your truth and my truth. Truth is truth. And just for the avoidance of any uh, ambiguity, I just wanted to uh, clarify that. Great. We're going to finish there. There is uh, refreshments at the back. Uh, and please just stay and enjoy fellowship with one another uh, before you go home later. Okay.